listening to Belt of Truth, Conversations, Arming Laity, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement. Visit our website at armingmen.com. In nomine Patris, Filii et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. In nomine Patris, et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Belt of Truth. I'm Rob Gregory. I'm here with a friend of mine, Monica Aquila. Monica, thanks for coming back. My pleasure, Rob. Thanks for I'll having me. I'll tell you, you, again, there's a few people that we keep tapping into. There's certainly some smart people around here. You're one of them. Um, so <laughs> I really wanted to kind of get into a conversation with you about the concept of obedience. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be honest. I struggle with this. Yeah. And here's why. I know we live in a fallen world, and I know we live in a world where human beings are struggling. So, you know, we, we, we're coming out of a pandemic and inside that box of the pandemic, I heard this word misused all the time mm-hmm. about obedience, mm-hmm. had to be obedient. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, there's an intersection between being obedient and blindly following, right? Yeah. So I'm coming right at this, right out the gate. So yep. walk me through this. What, what is this word obedience? I would first call obedience a very un-American virtue. So just like you hit the nail on the head, like, I don't love this because you're an American and I'm American and the American virtue is independence. I myself, right? But it's not a Catholic virtue, but it's very difficult for us Americans to wrap our minds around obedience because it it's the opposite of independence and it's the opposite of the the self-starter, the I can do, the power to the person that our nation is founded on. Like it's in our it's in our drinking water, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to recognize, I think, that first, that it takes some time and prayer to wrap our minds around this virtue that's very antithetical to our entire culture. And secondly, I would say we have to begin a study of obedience by looking at Jesus Christ and by looking at why Jesus had to come. When we think about the beginning of the story of the world, we have original sin. So if I were to say to you, what's the first sin? What would you say? The biting of the forbidden fruit? Right, I mean, right. Define define the sin. What is it? It's not because ah, the fruit is inherently problematic, right? Sure, it's because d- disobeying God. Because God said yeah, no. Right. God said, that's not my plan for you. Don't do it. Right. And they said, I want to choose for myself what's good. And I don't trust that your rules or your plan for me is good. I don't trust you. I choose myself. I'm God. Mm. Right. And so the first sin is both pride and disobedience. So obedience, when Jesus comes, okay, so Jesus is God, right? He owes obedience to no one, right? It is ridiculous that Jesus obeys, right? It's ridiculous. He's God, right? Mm. But as this way of like cosmically undoing the very foundation of sin, Jesus obeys. Like it's like what um, in Philippians, right? He was obedient even unto death. He emptied himself, right? So it's so contrary to like to who God is, right? He's he's everything, but he empties himself and he's obedient first to his parents, which is easier because like Mary's sinless and she's beautiful, right? Um, and Joseph, like he's a saint, right? But then he's obedient unto death. So he's obedient to Pontius Pilate, right? He's obedient to like, you know, being arrested when he has all power in the world uh, to stop it. Uh, but he's obedient to his heavenly father, even though he doesn't want to be, right? And so that's the model, I think, for 
a reflection on what does obedience mean or why? Yeah. Man, you said so much there that there's so much to get to. So, And I think you're spot on. Let's start with the first concept of how do we reconcile the fact that we live in a society or an age or a place in the world where this is like, you said, antithetical yeah. to that. How do we fix that? How do yeah. we address that? Yeah. Um, well, I think one way is that in our prayer, we ask the Lord what that means in my life. And we be uh, obedient as a sacrifice, even in ways I don't have to. So um, somebody asked me to do something, right? They're, they're not necessarily an authority over me, and maybe I don't owe them obedience. But I say, you know what? Uh, like unto Jesus, as a sacrifice, I will do the thing you ask me to do as an act of obedience, as a sacrifice to the Lord. And that's like holiness comes from that place. And so it's like those individual decisions on the lowest possible level of like, I will do a thing even though it's like a death to my my own will, like what I want to do. Um, I die to myself and be obedient to the things somebody has asked me to do. And we see it like in the spousal relationship, like that's the the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Like my husband says, I want you to do this thing. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that thing. <laughs> yeah. But like I can choose to do that and I should choose to do that as an act of obedience, um, as a sacrifice out of love for him and imitation of Christ. That's brilliant. I mean, be very intentional about it. Yeah. And maybe even say it out loud. Yeah. Because I mean, that, that's right. That because we, you can turn that into an act of love, right? Yeah. 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 That's- and it's a death to self because like, I'll be the first to tell you, just like you, Rob, I don't like obedience. I actually, like, I love it in concept because I see it in the saints and in Jesus and it's beautiful. But the moment somebody says, you need to do this. I, my whole being says, don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm American. Right. Um, and I feel it like my chest wells up mm-hmm. when somebody tells me what to do and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's absolutely like a death when I say, okay, like, especially if I can do it without, without speaking about it. Sure. Right. Without arguing. Yeah. No, I get it. And, and I think the next uh, rung in the ladder would be what I heard you say too, is it, it you have to sprinkle on top of that humility, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. humility has to be a part of obedience. Yeah. So yeah. walk us through that. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's like the humility of Christ, um, who, though he is God, absolutely empties himself and, and humbles himself. So it's this knowledge of like how great you are. Like the human person is is quite great, created by God, quite great. And you have to know that first, and then you have to say like, I'm going to choose to recognize um, that I can like – lower myself to do something in in the way that Christ lowers himself. I like how you drew that parallel that Jesus owed no one obedience, but gave it as as an act of maybe just teaching and then also love yeah. in return. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's easy to put it into context, you know, being obedient to God. I get that. Yes. You know, being obedient to your mother and your father. I get mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Where I start to struggle is when we get into... Yeah the rest of society. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I even trust you. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talked a little bit about humility being important. There's also an honesty and trustworthiness Mm -hmm. issue that I think we're dealing with today where some people are just not worthy of being obedient to. Correct. Absolutely correct. In the same way that like, you know, the authorities who put Jesus uh, to death were not worthy of his obedience. Absolutely not. I do not want to paint a, a black and white picture of like, always obey here and never obey here because there's there's so much human um, and divine prudence that goes into a decision of of when to obey an unjust authority right it's it is complicated but I will say the saints model this for us 
right? So we can think of big saints like Padre Pio. Did you know that for years he was told by the church who were skeptical um, of uh, all the acclaim and all the people who were flocking to him, the church was skeptical and the church told him he may not say mass publicly for years. You know what Padre Pio said? Okay, if the church says it, I will do it. Not a fight. Like, did he like that? No. Like, does he want to say mass for the people who want to have mass? Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't hear confessions, right? And he's not the only one, you know? So like John Bosco, same thing happens to him. Like he's not allowed to hear confessions for years because the church is skeptical of his acclaim and he obeys. So this is, this is the big question for reflection is what's the difference between a reformer and a heretic? Obedience, right? So Martin Luther is not Padre Pio, right? Because Martin Luther uh, like had some really valid reasons for doing what he did. Like if you actually read the story of like the corruption in the church and what Martin Luther is battling, you you kind of feel a little sympathetic for Martin Luther actually. But at the end of the day, he becomes a schismatic and a heretic because he doesn't obey and he doesn't leave it to God to handle. And, you know, we see these saints rise up as examples because they obeyed and they said, Lord, you take care of it because you are God and I'm not. Mm. And a recognition that like, even when the church makes bad decisions, that the church is still instituted by God and out of love for God, I will obey. But I think you just nailed it. It's the intersection of being willing to seek truth and demand truth, Mm -hmm. but yet being... I, obedient is the word we're using, but I don't know how to 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 go to that line. And yeah. Like you said, I mean, I think it's a brilliant comparison between Martin Luther and Padre Pio. But but like you said, at the time, I'm sure in Martin Luther's heart, he's like, I know I'm right. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, so and I, he was right about a lot of things. But where does it? But that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know how to yeah. rein it in. When do you pull it back? Yes. When do you keep going versus like you can't? Yes. I don't get yeah. it. So another example is that we think about like in Acts of the Apostles, right? So when the Sanhedrin and the Jewish authorities are saying you may not teach in the name of Jesus, and what do they say? Like the apostles and, and Saint Peter leading the charge say we must obey God rather than men. Right. So a a contra example, right? So like, I will not obey you because God has a higher calling for me, a a command, right? That I must obey. So sometimes I think the question is like, I will obey human authority until God tells me different sometimes, unless that human authority is commanding me to sin. Right. So there's a, there's a clear line. Like I will not sin out of obedience because that's a false obedience. Mm -hmm. But if I can obey, I will obey until the Lord works it out or tells me to do something different. So a good example of that would be, you know, speed limit. Uh, obviously, yeah. whether you like it or not, or wearing your seatbelt, <laughs> yeah. you're like, hey, these are just laws. Yeah. You follow the just law. Right. But abortion, yeah. no, sorry, right. don't care if it's legal or not. Right. That's that's going in against the tenets of the faith. Right. So those are the two different paradigms, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think what you said is the way to discern that is is prayer, discernment, mm-hmm. right? You, and, and it's a, a process. You, you can't be flippant about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got to take that stuff to prayer. I mean, that can be hard, though. Like, we're in a world now where I, I'm, most people would, would agree that to be Christ-like, you're going to have to be countercultural. Yes. So it's almost like you're setting yourself up to be disobedient regularly. Yeah. If we're going to be in a society where they're going to tell us that, you know, two women should be able to marry. Right. I mean, even though that's a law, 
even though that's something that we're being right. told daily that we should yep. be expect or accepting. Yep. I mean, aren't we naturally going to be disobedient? Yes, I will be disobedient if you command me to do something contrary to God's law every time. Absolutely. And I will suffer the consequences of that willingly. Like, yes, I know it's coming for me. And in this way, I will be like, like Christ. Um, but in this other way, I will be like Christ also, which is to obey if I can, even if it looks like you're telling me to, to stop doing something that is good when it's the church. So I, I'm, I might say like, there's a, there's an obedience we owe to the church that is higher than the obedience we owe to secular authorities. Although we owe that too, like Romans 13, one, like be subject to the governing authority, right? There's no authority that God hasn't like allowed to be in your life. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's a lot of prudence of of what's the good here? What's the sin here? What do I have to do? Lord, guide me. But to not be quick to disobey because I think I know what's better, even, even if objectively it is better. And I think the problem yeah. is we're in a world where we're drinking from a fire hose. It's yeah. always the next crisis. So we yes. don't have a lot of time to discern things yeah. sometimes. Sometimes you're on the battlefield and it's yeah. like, I got to know right now. Yeah. Like, what's the right decision? Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, I heard this said the other day, in, in moments of crisis, we're, we're not going to rise to the occasion. We're going to fall back on our training. Yeah. And I think that might be one of the issues here is that, you know, as a society, we haven't invested in that spiritual moral training mm-hmm. so that we can be more quick to make yeah. those decisions on the on the fly, right? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah, that, that again, you know, most of... <laughs> Everything in the spiritual life comes down to like me, my prayer and my life before God and, and on the micro level, you know? So, you know, when, when GK Chesterton is asked once upon a time, what's wrong with the world? He answered in two words, I am right. So everything comes down to like on the individual level, that's what I can control. And before God, I can, I can do what I can do. I will practice obedience. I'll practice this virtue and that will help me be able to rightly discern when I have these bigger difficult questions of when obedience is called for and when disobedience is called for. Well, I'll speak to a very real example, and I, I want your opinion on this, just to be honest and vulnerable. So like in in the height of the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, things kind of got flushed out. People's personal views start, started to become obvious. Yeah. And that kind of bled into, you know, the church setting, as mm-hmm. we all know, in different ways and forms in different parts yep. of the country. So like for us here, you know, there were there was a movement that I was madly in love with that was changing my heart, and my family that decided that it wasn't going to continue during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, I, I saw that as a battle cry to say, no, I, people need this now. Mm-hmm. They need community. They need spirituality. We need to deepen our faith now more than ever. Mm-hmm. So in, in kind of a spirit of rebellion, you know, I picked up the rifle and I went to, to battle. I'm like, no, no, we're doing yep. this. We're going to do this. We're going to get some people together. We're going to get some priests together. We're going to come together. So it, it's hard for me yeah. because it was done in that mindset initially yeah. that it was like, nope, we're not going to sit in the corner. Yep. We're, we're not going to not do anything. And the armor of God has has been born yeah. from that. Yeah. So then I look at that. I'm like, well, I don't know where this intersection starts yes. and stops, and it is a big struggle for me. It's a big question too, but I think that that maybe that's an example of what we might call creative obedience, because you were not told you may not start that initiative. Mm. You recognized a legitimate need in a period of crisis in the world, and you said, what can we do, right? So if like our bishop had said to you, 
you may not do this and you had disobeyed, I would say that's wrong. Right. I would say that would be a sin. And I would agree with that. Yeah. But, but you were creatively obedient, right? You stopped what was told to stop and you thought creatively, how can, how can we bring about the good? Right. And there's a way in which we can, we can be about that mission. I think that right there is the home run. That's the money shot is to, I mean, did you make that term up or Creative is, that, obedience. is that a real thing? I think I heard it in a homily once and I filed <laughs> it away in my heart forever. You're not going to copyright that. Cause I would. No, no, I, I did not initiate it, but I, I honestly don't remember who I heard it from, but I have, I have locked it away in my, oh, in I'm my soul. Totally stealing that. I am totally st- creative obedience. Oh, the, the, the Pandora's box yes. just got opened right yeah. there. No, yeah. I love that though, because there is a difference between boldly doing something you're told not to do right. versus thinking outside the box. Right. I agree a thousand percent. And, and, you know, here in our parish, you know, when I was meeting with our pastor saying, Hey, why is Chick-fil-A thriving in the middle of a pandemic? Because they're thinking outside the box mm-hmm. and there's lines around the corner yep. because they're adapting. Mm-hmm. Why can't the Catholic Church adapt? Right. And 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 he did. Yep. I mean, he brought an outdoor mass mm-hmm. and that was creative and it was obedience. Great. I yeah. agree with you. He wasn't told not to. Right. Just think of outside like, the box. What can we do? Exactly. What can we do in obedience? Like, yes. Yeah. And and instead of spending a lot of time just being mad. Um, we pray about it and we think, what what can we do? What is the Lord calling us to do? Yeah. So let's go there then. You said mad. How do you how do you blend righteous anger into this equation? Because mm. there there's got to be a level of that as it reg- I mean, if I'm going to stay in the box of creative mm-hmm. obedience, mm-hmm. something has to stir that in your heart, right? That this is righteous. Right. I need to do something. Yeah. How do you how do you temper that? Yeah, I would say first of all to recognize that when our emotions reflect reality, that's actually very good because that's how we were created before the fall, right? Where um, like I'm supposed to love somebody. I feel love for somebody, right? Something bad has happened. I feel bad about it. Like that's actually like very good that our emotions reflect reality. So when something good has been um, damaged, right? If you feel angry or sad about that, that's actually reflective of reality. And there's no problem with that, right? So the the feeling of anger. And so then we, we have to think concretely, okay, uh, what do I do with this? Okay. Is my anger justified? Uh, yes, it is, but it's, I can't act out of that anger. I have to act out of a place of like, what is the Lord calling me to do? What can I do? And to like offer that, that anger, that feeling, uh, to the altar, then make kind of solid decisions in the Lord moving forward. Yeah. So let's go inside the domestic church. Um, you know, there's the age old passage, um, in the scripture, your wives be, subordinate or obedient to your Mm -hmm. husbands, but husbands love your bride like Christ loves the church, right? So that right there, that paradigm is something I feel like our society is struggling with. I mean, men have not been trustworthy uh, historically, Mm -hmm. and so therefore wives have a real hard time trusting Mm -hmm. their husbands, and I don't blame them. And then men obviously have stopped looking at their brides in the way that Mm -hmm. Jesus looks at the church and loves the church. So all of this is centered around obedience, right? Mm-hmm. You you talked about that. You're yeah. a wife. Yeah. So. Yeah. And if, if my husband were to say, you have to obey me, everything in my being would scream, right? Because it's, that's, that's a, we don't like that word. It's hard, but I, I do obey him and he obeys me. Like it's a mutual submission. And, you know, sometimes it'll look a little different for a man and a woman in a marriage, but we're both called to that same reality. And I would say um, we're all sinful beings. And so you're right. It is difficult to um, live that out when 
the other person hasn't been like loving in the fullest possible way. It's hard to, it's hard to do what someone asks you to do when you don't feel loved by them. Right. And so sometimes, I mean, and this goes to just like good marital practice, but um, sometimes what I would tell, tell like marriage prep couples is like, sometimes you have to do an, an act of love or service to the person when they least deserve it. And what the Lord does in that moment is, is disarms them. Right. And, and, brings them probably to a place of softening so that then they can reciprocate and you can restore the relationship. And that is the the biggest grace-filled moments, I think, sometimes is when you do an act of love when you're angry with your spouse. Like It's so hard to do, but it's like a little act of, um, I mean, and this maybe is getting more into like service and, and love than obedience per se, but it also is, you know, when I'm really angry with this person or they have offended me or they aren't deserving, um, that I'm also going to respect what they're asking. Yeah. Do you have any practical tools or tips that you can give husbands and wives to, to kind of work through that? I Mm. mean, I, you get, I like what you said there is, you know, be generous and kind when you may not want to, Mm -hmm. I'm using my words, not yours, but but I mean, any specific options that you can give us? Because that is a hard thing to do. This dance between yeah. husband and wife can be hard. Yeah. I mean, it'll look different for different people. So sometimes it'll be like, I'm so angry, but like, I'm going to clean the kitchen for him right now. Or like, I'm going to, I don't know, you know, that would be like a little act of, of service. Um, I have found the Chaplet of Unity really helpful as a prayer for the unity of your marriage when you don't feel loving or when you feel angry. Cause the, the words in the chaplet of, of unity, they're just like repeated over and over again. But the, on the hail Mary beads, you pray in your great mercy, forgive our sinfulness, heal our brokenness and renew our hearts that we may be one in you because it's, um, it's tackling like the sin, right. That exists in our marriage, but also just like there's just brokenness and there's woundedness and there's renewal needed. Right. And it's just an invitation to the Lord to like come in and like heal those wounded places um, so that we can love better and be united. So staying inside the domestic church, children being obedient to their parents. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a chronic problem and and maybe getting worse. You know, we were laughing about this earlier. Like, you know, I, I had to really take a step back with the first eye rolling door slam in my house. You know, I have five daughters. So I was like, what is this? And this will not be tolerated. Mm -hmm. So again, my, my wife and all of her wisdom was like, wait a minute, hold on. (laughs) There's, you got to pick your Mm -hmm. battles here. Yeah. How, how do we, how do we do that? Because that, that's hard. That's a hard dance too. Yeah. I would say instilling obedience in our children is very, very important because they learn to obey God, the father, by the way that they obey their earthly father. And if they don't have the habit of obedience to their earthly father and mother, then, then they, it will, they will have a harder time with obedience to, to God the father who, mm. who really deserves our obedience. Right. And, and that's very important. And so I think that like, if we, if we want to be obeyed like God the father, um, to be able to like teach our children that we have to love like God the father. So, you know, we have to think of the prodigal son. We have to think of like not punishing in anger, but punishing out of a place of, of love, um, like constructive uh, punishments, like a, I don't know, that's a, a loaded word, but mm-hmm. like, you know, corrective. Sure. Um, and we, we teach our children that by our love and then our just like careful observation of like, you do have to do this. Yeah. Like, 
And that's an act of love. So some parents have a hard time with that, but it's an act of love to teach your children to obey you. What's your advice to guys like me who got it wrong for so long oh, in our in our home? Yeah. And, and you know, that's what Armor of God kind of does is it, it kind of instills in men, hey, you may have fallen asleep at the wheel about your, your baptismal priestly authority. Yeah. Now's the time to reclaim that. Well, part of that challenge is you go home full of zeal. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're dealing with kids that have seen you this way and now yeah. you want them to see you this way and yeah. they don't believe you or mm-hmm. what's your advice to guys yeah. like that? Talk about an act of humility is um, at some point you have to say to your kids, like, I recognize I have failed you in this, this, and this way. And I haven't been the loving father or mother that um, I should have been to you. And I lost my temper with you and I was selfish with my time. And like, it's so difficult, but you have to like reckon those things. And I have my own reckonings, like, you know, with our daughter too. Like, I have to say like, I lost my temper. You did not deserve that. Like, I should not have yelled at you. Um, but here's what we do have to do. Like, I have to be patient with you. You have to do this and we're going to try it again. Like, we're going to go forward from here. And I think, you know, sometimes, sometimes you like, if you come later in your parenthood to uh, like a, a place of really wanting to be that strong spiritual father, you know, the Lord is never done redeeming. And so sometimes it'll happen, you know, for your kids when, when they're older and they'll come back to faith, and they'll come back to that relationship with you. And sometimes you act as a spiritual father or mother to other people and the Lord's going to utilize your, your new desire for for motherhood and fatherhood, you know, for the church and for the world. I think that intersection between uh, acknowledging your failures and speaking about them and then also not tempering into the line of just becoming your kid's friend. Right. And you still have to be the authority. For you. That's yes. a hard line. Yes. You yes. Because you're, you're vulnerable in that setting and you want to be honest and humble mm-hmm. and heal. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm still the boss. Yes. Yes. But, but I'm telling you, I already made a mistake. Yes. That's yep. hard for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not perfect. I should not have done it this way. It does not change the fact that you may not do this. Like we cannot have that. This is a rule in our house and it's not good for you. So we have to enforce that. Mm. Right. So you, you admit the thing, you say sorry, and you let that be its own thing. Like mm-hmm. I am sorry. Mm-hmm. And then you come back like, but these are like, these are the expectations for me as a parent and you as a kid, and we have to do this. Yeah. I mean, you can even go so far as to say when it comes to the sacraments or mass, I mean, there are families that haven't been instilling that level of obedience in their kids mm-hmm. and it's not too late. They can start that yeah. right away. Absolutely. But that journey's not going to be easy. Right. Kids are not going to wake up and say, sure, no problem. Let's start doing this now. Yeah. They're going to fight you. Yeah. you ha- And you have to admit, like, I was wrong. And now, like, I understand that this is important. So I'm sorry that I didn't believe that this was important before, but I know that it's important now and I, and I need you to do this with me. Mm-hmm. Like, we are going to do this because this is what I know to be true now. Yeah. Um, and it is hard because, like, yeah, it's, it's a new thing for kids. They're, <laughs> uh, well, well, as I've gotten to know you, I, I love your, your brain. You and I think a lot alike. And so my question to you is, you're an innovator, you have ideas, you're a doer. How do you sometimes sit in the world of the church? Cause you're hmm. a, a staff member at, yeah. at the parish and be obedient when you don't agree. 
Mm. Yeah, I don't, I, I will be the first to admit I'm not always the, the best at handling those situations because I'm a very unfinished Christian. Um, and I'm, I'm working on my own growth in the virtue of obedience. Yeah. So sometimes it's biting your tongue and not complaining about something that's not changeable. Right. So it was said, we're going to go with this. Um, and just death to self. And I have to remind myself, like, I'm not the pastor. I'm not the one in charge, but I do have, a charge of my own. Like I'm responsible for X, Y, and Z. And so, you know what? Like I'm going to offer this other thing to the Lord and I'm going to do what the Lord has, has put in front of me. So like, this is what's mine to do. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, let go of surrender everything else. So it's a work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I get it. I agree. It it, it would be hard for me too. and, And it is hard in the settings that I'm called to be obedient as well. Yes. So it's a never ending struggle. I like how you said a death to self and we're going to have to keep doing this mm-hmm. refining all the way to the end. Right. Yep. And I think for me, it helps like when I'm, when I'm conscious of it, when I remind myself every time I obey in a difficult situation or I do the thing that I don't want to do and I die to self, like real grace is brought into the world. Like I'm participating in the obedience of Christ unto death. And in a very real way, I'm participating in the redemption of the world. And you can offer those things for the things that are dearest on your heart, like a fallen away child, right? That needs to return to the faith. And the Lord will use your deaths to self to bring about great good, especially for the things that are closest to your heart. So whatever those intentions are for healing, for your fallen away kids, for, you know, some big issue in your marriage, whatever it is, like use those deaths to self for the good of the kingdom. And why do you believe that it would benefit the good of the kingdom? Yeah. Well, first of all, because St. Paul and Jesus tells us that, right? Uh, St. Paul says, like, in my sufferings, I'm I'm making up uh, what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. So, like, nothing is lacking in the suffering of Christ, right? His His death and resurrection are effective for the whole world for all of time, but I have to participate in it. And in His great love for us, He gives us the ability to participate with Him in the redemption of the world. And I do that in a way I'll never be able to in eternal life. It's only in this world that I can suffer for Him right? That I can imitate him in an earthly way. I can only do that here for these short, this short span of time that I have. And I have the privilege of being able to suffer and offer now for the good of, of souls, for the good of the world. So we have a map for that already being important. Yeah. And you had, you were kind of excited to talk about this today on today, which <laughs> is the solemnity of St. Peter, St. Paul. And you specifically you said St. Peter's your guy. He is my guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, today's my feast day. So on, when you have a, a feast day of a saint that's important to you or, or a name saint, you always ask for like a special grace from that saint on that day. That's what I always do. But St. Peter's my guy. He's my confirmation saint. And the, the long story short is growing up, I, I was always drawn to those stories of St. Peter. And I felt like I learned how to love Jesus and be loved by him through St. Peter, like through the eyes of Peter. And so Peter really chose me, but I was thinking about Peter in regard to obedience because he's kind of, he's two examples of obedience. One is that like, he's the quickest when Jesus says, drop your nets. And he's like, done. Yeah. Going like he's so quick to obey because he had this faith, but Peter's major misstep of obedience, you know, right there when Jesus is arrested and he denies the Lord three times. And I think that happens because Peter thinks that his plan, that that the death of Jesus would be the worst thing, right? So he doesn't trust Jesus himself and what Jesus has told him. He thinks that he knows the better plan and, and that what Jesus says couldn't possibly be the good, right? So it's his plan versus Jesus's. 
And all of a sudden now he wants to fight, right? He draws his sword. He wants, he's, he's willing to go to death for Jesus, like fighting, but he's not willing to sit by, right? And, and then he gets scared for himself because he's not willing to sacrifice himself. He's only willing to fight, right? And so Peter has to learn the hard way through that and through that sorrow of denying the Lord that the Lord then redeems at the end of his life by his own martyrdom. And the Lord says like, you know, one day you will, one day you will be able to love unto death and you'll learn how to have that obedience to the end. But it comes with the Lord knows better, even if it looks bad, Mm. like the Lord knows better and I have to submit my will to his will. I learned a ton about St. Paul from your husband, Justin. Um, And I've just grown to really appreciate him because he gives me hope to know that he was a Christian killer and became yeah. a huge advocate yes. for the gospel. And then St. Peter saying, I mean, to know that Jesus called it, you're going to deny me three times. Mm-hmm. No, I won't. No way. I would yeah. never do that. And sure, as he did. A- again, to know that he becomes the first pope and the church was instituted through him. Yeah. I'm like, oh, there's hope for guys like Absolutely. me. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so today's a cool day to talk about obedience, and, and I, th- I love the fact you tied that in there, and those are great illustrations for us. And I guess that gives us a scriptural reference point for the fact that this, you know, I would say obedience is essential. It's mm-hmm. not an option, right? Right. It's right. it's a requirement mm-hmm. of us. Yes. So as it relates to obedience and the struggles in the world today being countercultural, are you hopeful that we're going to get this right? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know that I'm hopeful that we'll get it right as a culture or a nation, but I think that I'm hopeful because I know, like, especially as I see in our local community, more and more people picking up that surrender novena and beginning to see what the Lord does when you surrender your will to His and trust that He's going to take care of it, even if it's painful. I'm so hopeful seeing our local community take up surrender, which leads to obedience, which leads to that that virtue and grace in the world. So that brings me a lot of hope. I agree. And that I am hopeful about that as well. So Monica, you're a friend of mine and I really appreciate you coming here. And like I said, every single time you (laughs) sit down and chat, I learn something. So thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. You've been listening to Belt of Truth, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement, located in Fort Wayne, South Bend Diocese in Fort Wayne, For more information about Belt of Truth and Armor of God, visit armingmen.com.